Hi guys, my name is Tashoy. And my name is Natasha. And welcome, welcome to, to His Word. word. Yeah. We are here to bring you His Word through testimonies. And His Word is here to encourage, uplift, inspire, help, believe, and to trust. So what is a testimony, you may ask? I'll let you know. A testimony is a testament of what God is doing in your life. It is powerful to share your testimony and it will help other people who are going through the exact same thing. So guys, please remember to hear his word, speak his word, and share his word. His His word word is God's word. Hi guys, welcome back to our episode on Testimony Tuesdays, hashtag TT. Now this episode is solely based on Mental Health Awareness Week and I just thought, you know what, it'd be best if I just put out a a very informative episode on depression and how I was able to overcome it. So I really do hope that you stay tuned and that you really do take everything that I'm telling you in and just really understand that anytime that you're going through depression or any form of mental health illness, just know that you aren't alone and that God is working in your life. Like for me personally, I always felt alone. I always felt very anxious. And I just, I understood eventually that my anxiety and my fears were all in my mind. I made out that these things were bigger than me when really and truly they were so minute. They were so small, but I gave it so much power over me. And that's what held me back. And that's what caused me to be in in depression for so many years. Now here's my story and I hope you enjoy it. Hi guys, my name is Natasha Brown and I'm here to tell you my testimony on depression and how I was able to overcome it. Now I think this story has to go way back but just to just say like mental health is not an easy thing it is real and it's the worst experience that I've ever experienced in my whole entire life so if there's anybody out there who's experiencing something just know that you know my story I'm hoping that it does help you I hope that it does encourage you and it, I hope that it does allow you to see that you know you aren't alone and that this life is a life in which you need to live it and you can't allow the pressures of this world of our generation to make you feel inadequate, to make you feel like you aren't enough, because that's how I felt, and it wasn't the best experience. Now, to just start from the beginning, 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 um, I'm originally from Jamaica, and I came to England when I was five, so my parents came here first, and then I came after. Now, for fast forward to year seven, what happened was I came home from school one day, I, was, I lived in Catford in London, I came home from school one day and my parents told me that we were all moving away. And I said, what? (laughs) I thought it would be down the road. But instead they said that we were moving to Coventry. Now for me personally, I didn't know anything about Coventry. I didn't know what it was, who it was, whatever. I just assumed that it was in the countryside. Now... Throughout my whole life in London, I have moved around across the whole of South East London. I've been, I've lived in many houses. Now, the issue for me is as a child, like always being moved around, always being uprooted, it doesn't create a sense of home. It doesn't create a sense of like a safe haven. Like you're constantly moving around, constantly making friends, constantly trying to feel comfortable in yourself and comfortable in your environment but to always be uprooted and moved around it makes things harder I don't know the reasons as to why my parents moved around a lot I don't know but they were trying to create a better a good life for us that's all I know which I appreciate now knowing that Coventry was very far away um, at the time anyway it made things a bit more uncertain again like I've just started year seven I'm just making friends I'm just getting comfortable in regards to my courses in regards to my subjects I was literally just finding out what I like what I don't like you know 
things like that and then to just be uprooted it was just a big blur for me and I kind of feel like I've blocked out a lot of that like if anyone was to ask me about anything in regards to my childhood I would not know because I've literally blocked it out as a result of constantly moving around as a result of memories that I didn't like so that's one thing keep that in mind yeah so now that we moved to Coventry I went through a lot of bullying and I feel like the bullying it wasn't the only factor that contributed to my depression um I feel like there were multiple factors but that did have an immense effect on the individual that I am today and the individual which broke down after university now I started this school and I had to meet new friends it was a new environment for me you know I had to I was a girl from London so automatically you know I was known for being from London and obviously I had the accent and everything like that and people would obviously pick up on that you know so already I was I was getting a lot of attention you know on like I'm not that kind of I was never the um, popular girl I was never somebody who liked having attention on me that's just not me you know but to have this attention because of where I was from it was just a bit it was a lot to get used to now what one of the situations which kind of like had an adverse effect on me was I remember one day I'm just going to name these people but these aren't their real names so there was Stacy and Katie yeah now Stacy and Katie would constantly bully me all the time and they would have friends as well that would contribute or like join in and it was just a thing where I didn't know why but they just attacked me from the beginning and I had to endure that throughout my whole high school experience it wasn't easy and I remember one day like I was I tell everybody this story I don't know why but I tell them anyway um I remember one day I was on my way home from school and I was on my way home and these girls were just behind me and I saw them and I saw a lot of the people from my from my um class as well like there was a lot of people maybe about like 20 30 people following me home and for me as a child at that time I was very petrified moving to a new place in Coventry not knowing anybody not not knowing anywhere in Coventry apart from my home and school and then making my way home and having these girls walk behind me you know, shouting things that I can't even remember at this point. That was a very scary experience for me. And I kind of feel like that experience made me want to, it made me want to create some kind of like image of myself. Because if I was going to survive high school, I needed to show these girls that I wasn't weak because if you show any form of weakness it will continue to happen and they will think that it's okay and it's not okay now on this day I don't know who was there but I just remember Casey sorry Stacy and Katie and took out my phone and I called my mom and I said mom can you please come and get me and her and my sister came and when they came my mom was obviously angry because she was thinking why are these girls causing trouble for her daughter right and my mum was just shouting at them, saying, leave my daughter alone, you know, stuff like that. And then obviously I made, I made my way home, but the story doesn't even end there. Like the next day I went to school and I was called into the head teacher's office. And she basically told me that she received a complaint. And I said, okay, what sort of complaint? And I tried to explain my story, but then she said that these girls said that my mum said that she would shoot them and I was like this is literally a stereotype of Jamaicans like they always assume that anybody who's from Jamaica has a gun or anybody who's from Jamaica is violent and for these girls to play on that stereotype it was just a horrible time for me, you know, hearing that, I was thinking, what, like, what are you talking about, like, my mum does not own a gun, and she did not threaten to kill anybody who's in year seven, like, that's just ridiculous, yeah, now, 
I remember that whole day I was just feeling very very low and then my mum she told me that she'll, she'll be coming to pick me up from school now I was waiting for her at the gate and then the head teacher my mum came in and the head teacher said oh um I think you guys should wait here and I said well why I want to go home she's like no because the police are on their way and I said what is going on and my mum explained to me that when she was coming to school to pick me up she saw a lot of guys following her and that the school was surrounded by guys with knives and all that kind of stuff waiting for me and I was thinking what this is ridiculous like what on earth is going on you know and um so on that day I went home in a police van and obviously again as a child going home in a police van for what for what reason at all was not apparent to me but my mum explained to me that she felt as though what was told to her was that these girls they told their cousins and their uncles or whatever that you know my mum had a gun and that she would be at school trying to kill them now really take that in like I've moved from London to Coventry in London I had no problems at all everything was fine and now I moved to Coventry and I'm experiencing all these things you know and this continued for a long time I remember one day I was in a trampolining class in PE and I love trampolining like trampolining was one of the best things for me I loved doing it it was a favorite sport of mine but I remember I was standing there in the line to wait for my turn and then I just saw these girls whispering with their other friends and they were very popular so anybody who anybody who um who was their friend automatically automatically did not like me you know and I, I really did not understand why did these girls li- not like me and as I said like I had to create an image for myself where I had to stand up for myself you know I had to act hard I had to behave as though I was this tough girl when really and truly I was not and I was scared but I had to do this because this was the only way for me to survive at school <laughs> which is ridiculous because I'm young I'm just starting out I've done my I've even done my um JCSEs yet yeah this is what I'm going through now in London I was at the top of my class I was doing extremely well I was always in the library doing my work you know reading books that was my interest but because of all these things happening at school I just literally couldn't focus in lessons I was because I had to behave a certain way I attracted the wrong crowd and I remember like the friends that I was friends with they were very innocent girls and they kind of felt like because I came into the school because these girls didn't like me Stacey and Katie and their friends they kind of blamed me for these girls also picking on them as well so as you could imagine <laughs> stress upon stress upon stress and it was just a lot to deal with and I remember like at this point my family wasn't the most religious family yeah they weren't the most religious like we believed in God and stuff like that and we went to church here and there but it wasn't consistent but I always felt a need I always felt a need when it came to God I always felt like I wanted to be closer to him and what happened was I remember one time I went to a church with my sister and the pastor approached me and he said that he could see me at school and he could see me as like a bird basically (laughs) and he was saying that he could see a lot of like black crows surrounding me and he was just saying that he felt like the kind of environment that I was in there was people that were like envious of me or jealous of me and that would be an issue for me now obviously hearing this I'm thinking what on earth is this man talking about like what is this man talking about why is he telling me that I'm a bird (laughs) And why is he making my mind feel so small? Now, again, he was telling me that I should just have faith. But at the time, I didn't know what faith was. Like, I was thinking, what does faith mean? How do I have faith? How do I exercise having faith? And for many years, this was the question in my mind. Like, how do I have faith? How do I exercise having faith? 
Now, this wasn't the only thing that was an overriding factor for me. As I already said, I never spoken to guys before in my life. And obviously this was the point when guys were introduced into my life. Now, I kind of feel like because I was having issues at school and having issues at home as well, which I won't go into, but just on a brief, my parents were always fighting. There were always arguments in the house. You know, there was just a lot of instability. I kind of feel like moving to Coventry wasn't the best decision for anybody in my family. And it just caused a rift, you know. And I remember, like, I was also born with a speech impairment. I feel like this is something that has always been an overriding factor for me. Now, I've always been someone who's very ambitious, very, very... Like, even though I have, like, insecurities, I would never see that as something to stop me. But the one insecurity, insecurity that I did have was my speech impairment now this was only an insecurity for me because um people would talk about it like my brother would tease me about it obviously he's young he he doesn't always talking about but he would tease me about it obviously at school I'd be teased about it as well by these girls and by everybody else I was called all kinds of names and when you're in a situation like that I remember I loved English literature so much like this was the best thing for me I loved analyzing poetry I loved reading books but when it came to being in a lesson it was like I was mute like I wouldn't say anything the teacher would always be asking me okay do you want to read like what's your opinion and the thing is I I always had an opinion always had an opinion but I never expressed it because I was too afraid to to, um, stutter I was too afraid to let people know that I had a speech impairment like people did know when I spoke and it was worse back then because I was getting bullied and things were happening at home so it didn't help my um stuttering but um it was a very difficult time for me now fast forward (laughs) I think it's gonna be a long story fast forward to like when I finished you know, when I finished my A-levels and stuff like that, like, of course, this bullying continued until my A-levels, until the girls stopped coming to school, because obviously they finished their um, GCSEs, and now, like, it's time for A-levels, but they didn't continue into um, our sixth form, which was a relief for me, because I that I could actually focus, and I remember, like, throughout my A-levels, it wasn't the bullying anymore like that wasn't even a problem for me anymore the problem for me was like there was issues at home so I went counseling throughout my whole time in my a-levels which was a big problem for me I remember like me and my sister used to be very very close and I remember she moved out again we moved houses in Coventry three times (laughs) ridiculous but we moved three times and I remember my um sister moved out for her own reasons but because she moved out she had this partner and he wouldn't let her speak to me so it came to a point where not only didn't I feel secure in myself but I didn't have my sister I didn't have anyone who I could really speak to and I remember like the pressures of A-levels were on me and I remember like as much as I enjoyed being at school I was doing my dancing and stuff like that like trying to get into hobbies and stuff it was just a really difficult time not having people around you to like support you and then when I had my counselling I was telling her all these problems and it was just like it didn't help me at all I just kind of felt like I used it as an excuse to come out of lessons and just not be seen and I remember one day I was at home I must have went home and I was just sat there on my own in the house in the dark and I was just thinking to myself why am I here like I don't want to be here anymore I hate Coventry Coventry has been really hard for me and it's not even getting any better and I was just looking at the window like it was a very small room and I just had a window and a bed in there and I was just looking at the window and it was dark and the curtains were ajar and I looked and I thought to myself I literally want to jump right now I want to jump right now like things are not getting better my speech is getting worse I can't express myself like 
this was the point where I was applying for internships, I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted to go to UCL, like I had really big dreams, yeah, (laughs) I wanted to do international human rights law, I remember at school, my, I think it was like head of A-levels or whatever, or A, sorry, head of like sixth form, she'd always give me this book for Amnesty International and I used to be in awe of the stories and how they helped people and everything like that and I just felt like how is someone like me who has a speech impairment going to excel and going to change the world like I wanted to you know how was that going to happen I kind of felt like I was having these fake dreams or fake aspirations to keep my mind busy you know And I just looked at the window and I stood up on the bed to basically open the window. And I think what stopped me that day was I saw a policeman down there. And I kind of feel like if I didn't see that policeman down there, I would have literally just jumped. And that would have just been the end of it. Now, I haven't gone into detail immensely because I can sit here and tell you the the little nits and crannies of my life but that would just make this even more depressing right (laughs) so fast forward um I finished my a-levels I went to university in London. No, that wasn't even what happened. I finished my A-levels and then another problem occurred. Yeah, so because I came into the UK, I didn't have a British passport. I didn't have my biometrics. I didn't have indefinite leave to stay in the UK. Now, this meant that I couldn't go to university. I could, but they would charge me international fees. Now, I'm not rich. I don't come from a rich family, so I couldn't really pay for any international fees. Now, I was the first person in my family to even consider going to university. So this was a big deal for me. I really wanted to go. I really wanted to change my life, change my family's life. And then to now have this as a hurdle. Everything in my life was a hurdle before, but then, but now to have this as a hurdle was just unbelievable. I was thinking, what now, God? Like, what now? Is this always going to be something that is going to hold me back? Is there always going to be something? I'm really going through things. And now I have to experience this. I was angry. I was mad. I was very emotional. I was thinking, you know what? Why am I even here? Like, everything that I do is a struggle. Why is that? Like, why am I going through these things all the time? There's always something. There's always a barrier. There's always something that I have to, to have to endure all the time. Now, again, being me, I decided to work for a year to save up. And in that year when I saved up, I was saving up for my passport to apply for my biometrics to then move to London. Because again, I wasn't happy in Coventry. There was a lot of memories here that I wanted to just erase. And I kind of felt like the best option for me was to move to London where, where I came from, essentially. Now, I finished this whole year. I, I saved up for an accommodation in London university it was still in my mind I enjoyed it thoroughly like that whole year working as a chef was the best year ever like I learned so many skills it was a fantastic time I remember I had a friend and she told me you know what there are some vacancies going for um Pagamamas and I was like well I haven't ever worked anywhere before and then never had a job I don't have any experience with, with customers I don't have any experience in the kitchen um, my dad, he was a chef, but you know, that's his thing. It's not my thing. So how on earth am I going to do this? I went anyway, I applied and I just was, I just showed how passionate I was about food anyway. And then she was really thrilled about my, about how, 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 like, how willing I was, you know, to learn a new skill. Now I started to work at Bagamamas for a year in Coventry and it was amazing I made some incredible friends it was a fun time for me of course in any job you'll start to hate it but I only hate it because you know who wants to work every single day 
40 plus hours like no one wants to do that so anyway um this whole year came to an end and I was considering moving to London for university now they offered me a promotion and I feel like in Wagamama's like they have so many opportunities to go abroad open open restaurants and stuff like that and I really do feel like it would have been a career prospect for me if I wasn't just set on being a lawyer and I kind of feel like because I was set on being a lawyer I feel like sometimes in life we need to just take hints that if you're passionate about something just do that but because I was so fixated on becoming a lawyer I didn't see having a career in um, culinary areas to be something that I would you know pursue anyway now I moved to London and I felt a release I felt like you know what this is a new start for me this is going to be incredible things are going to be wonderful you know this is the land <laughs> this is the land of everything it's the land of fun and excitement of sushi you know there wasn't any sushi in Coventry I wanted to try sushi <laughs> just some crazy things now I started university at the University of Law now in itself being a law student had its own challenges you know going to any university has its own challenges now I was in a relationship at the time my first proper relationship um, I lived on my own while well, I lived house share kind of on my own and it was just a nice time you know learning new things learning about myself you know being independent it was just something different you know not having to answer to anyone it was just anyone's dream really of going to university now university had its own challenges as I already said before I worked as a carer for the three years because I needed to pay for my rent. My rent was re- quite high, to be honest, and London's quite expensive. I didn't realise how expensive it was until I got there. I had to pay for travel. You know, I lived all the way in Ealing. Well, initially I lived in East London. Then I moved to Ealing. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. Like, waking up every day for work as a carer, and obviously being a carer is also emotionally draining as well like as much as I loved to help the elderly and those who are unable to help themselves like it was very very draining having to wake up at four o'clock in the morning having to get to a client for six like it was just a lot and having to do all this whilst also studying it did affect my grades like starting university I was getting a first in everything every single thing and I was so proud of myself and then what happened was I just think life just got the best of me and I was just so drained and I remember one day they changed the way that they marked things and I was like why have you like I went okay had an exam they changed the way that it was being marked and I was devastated because if you're going to change the way it's been marked and make it the most important exam of my whole entire life tell me this before I take the exam so that I can take the exam even more seriously right they didn't tell me this so I was there crying my eyes out because I knew that this was the worst subject that I could have ever done ever taken I didn't revise as much because I thought it was only worth like five percent now it was worth 30 percent it was just a lot (laughs) it was difficult and this one exam really did determine everything else now at the end of university I got two one I was a like two marks for my first and that was very cutting for me because I worked incredibly hard I was getting a first in everything then this one exam messed me up and then I had EU law which I hated and that messed me up too and because those two exams messed me up I just gave up. I felt like, you know what, I'm working hard for absolutely no reason at all. No reason. I'm working hard, but I can't see any fruits from all my hard work. So every other assessment after that, I just, I think my mind mentally gave up. I thought, you know what, forget all of this. This is not worth my time. I am so done. I had transactions, I had actions. These were assignments which I just found so difficult and I feel like in my final year of university it was a very draining year for me very draining I was having issues in my relationship I was having issues 
in my life, <laughs> issues at work, I didn't wanna work anymore, I just wanted to be alone. I remember one day I went home and I just cried. I literally sat with two cats that I lived with and I just cried. And because there was no one home, I literally cried and cried and cried and cried. Never cried so much in my whole entire life. And it reminded me of the day when I was in my bedroom with the window. And I was just like, God, I don't want to be here anymore. I was, I was crying my eyes. I was saying, God, I do not want to be here anymore. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of working hard. I'm so tired of all this energy, you know. Why are you doing this to me? I used to ask God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing these things to happen to me? I don't know you, but I want to get to know you. But for me to get to know you, I don't want to be experiencing these things anymore. Still, I didn't have a relationship with God at this point. I didn't, and I didn't want to. I was like, you know what, if this is what it's like, I don't want to. Because I'm trying my best, I cry out to you all the time, and I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything at all. Now, at this point, I didn't know I was depressed, because I had all things happening around me. I was at work, I was at university, I had everything happening around me and more, and I didn't... I didn't know that I was depressed. Now, my uni finished and initially I planned to move in with my partner, but he wasn't ready for that. And we were having issues anyway. So he told, he told me that, you know what, I think you should go back to Coventry because it was probably the best option for me. And I thought about it and I said, okay, cool. Maybe then I can go home, I can save up. I can think about what's next, yeah? Because I wanted to qualify as a solicitor. Now, moving back to Coventry, I don't think any, I think everybody who moves out of Coventry doesn't want to move back to Coventry because it's like you're moving backwards and you're not getting anywhere. Like I'm supposed to be moving forward. But me going back to Coventry was just a drain. So initially, I wanted to move back into my parents' place. That wasn't an option. So I had to stay with my sister, which was fine. But I didn't have my own space. And I feel like, again, that the thing about moving around, because when I was at university, I moved around three times. I was in three different houses. I was in the first place that I moved to in East London. I moved in with my boyfriend when I was homeless. And then the third time was when I moved in with into Elin with this amazing um, landlady. She was a lawyer, so that really did inspire me so much. She was such a boss. Like, I used to see her having, like, massages in her living room. Like, she was just amazing amazing woman so established so independent she owned her home you know just things like this that really encouraged me and it was just literally a wonderful time anyway now i moved back home to coventry and that's when the feelings just came rushing in and I feel like, because over the years I've been crying and I haven't really let it out and I haven't really expressed myself, coming back to Coventry made me feel like absolute failure. I felt like I wasn't moving forward. I felt like, why am I back here? Like, what is my purpose being back here? What am I doing here, you know? And I feel like the depression just rolled in. It rolled in as quickly as, quickly as it could. And I just... I don't know what was next. Like, where do I go now? I wanted to do my LPC. The only place I could do it was in Birmingham. Did I want to travel to Birmingham every week? Did I want to be a lawyer anymore? Was this something that I found interesting? What type of law was I interested in? I want to do international human rights law, but what area do I want to do? I can't just say to employers that I want to help people. I need to know more than that. So it was just this constant thing in my mind of always wanting to know what was next and always wanting to know what am I going to do now? I finished university, what's next? 
I started applying for jobs. I couldn't get any jobs because they were asking for experience. And I feel like a lot of people at university, they finish university and they think, okay, cool, now I can get a job. But what they don't understand is because everybody now has a degree, it makes it a hundred times harder because you have to have more than just a degree now. You need to have more to show. Like, what can you show that differentiates you from these other candidates who also have a degree? You know, I didn't think I was interested. I didn't think I had anything to offer. And that was the thing that made me feel so down because my speech impairment hasn't improved. I thought if I went to university and studied law, I would learn the skills that I needed to become a fantastic lawyer, you know, speaking eloquently and explaining things in an incredible way or whatever. But none of this happened. I was still the same person. And I feel like going back to Coventry reminded me of the struggles that I had. I feel like in London, I was so uplifted and so upbeat. And I think I was upbeat because I was inspired by all these people, you know, seeing people on the train on the tube every day wearing suits and ties and looking all nice and you know I'm trying to say like these are things that inspire you may like may not inspire you in the right way but they inspire you anyway because you think okay cool there's a hope for me you know I'm I'm gonna get somewhere after I finish university I'm gonna have a wonderful job that didn't happen instead I end up working at next (sighs) so one day after church so, of course, I just tell you the story about how I went to church. So, basically, my sister, she went to church in Coventry. So, she had a church in Coventry. Um, and I, I thought, you know what, because I live with her, let me just go. And I went, and it was good. But I was still lost. I still didn't know what to do with my life. I still felt like I didn't want to be here. I, I don't want to speak to anyone. I just wanted to be on my own. I don't want to interact with no one. I just wanted to just sit for a minute and just do nothing. Now I remember this day like it was yesterday. Being a Christian and going through depression was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to experience in my whole entire life. It was scary because I would be walking around Coventry and thinking, I don't wanna be here anymore. Not just in Coventry, but just in the world. I don't wanna be here. It came to a point where I wanted to commit suicide. I was very suicidal. I didn't wanna wake up. I was going through a lot of sleep paralysis. I was attacked every single night. It was just unbearable, like very unbearable. I remember like I was in church and we normally have like this fasting thing right that we have to do and I was fasting and I didn't want to fast but I was doing it anyways my first time fasting I was doing it anyway and I was feeling like I just broke me me and my ex-boyfriend just broke up now I'm fasting I'm going through depression so this fasting experience was the worst experience of my whole entire life every night I was attacked every single night I didn't I didn't want to sleep because I felt like if I slept something's gonna be grabbing me And if you guys don't know what sleep paralysis is, it's when you're sleeping and you feel like you're being held down and you can't breathe, you can't move. You feel like there's something that's preventing you from, you know, speaking. Because if you're trying to scream out for people, you can't even scream out for them because, you know, it won't let you. So this is something spiritual, I guess. Um, Well, this is a Christian podcast, so I have to talk about it. But what did help me with the sleep paralysis is that every single night even until this night I make sure that I'm praying before I sleep I'm saying God cover me with the blood of Jesus I do not want to be attacked tonight I'm tired of being attacked the devil shall not have any inclination over me any bondage any control over me it's not going to happen yeah in Jesus name I declare that every single night even tonight I'm going to pray that because being attacked is scary it is so scary I know people on here are gonna be like what the hell but it's so scary um I feel like in this quarantine period what got me out of depression was I feel like God puts people in my life for a reason so when I was fasting I was praying for the right people to come into my life I was like God I want right the right people to come into my life 
I want you to change my situation. I want you to make things better. And I remember I was friends with this girl for a long time, but then we stopped talking for like years. And out of nowhere, she messaged me on Instagram. And I was like, "Mm." because normally I don't have Instagram, but I made it this year because I wanted to just come out of my comfort zone. Now, I made it and then she popped up to me. She was like, she was having dreams about me. And I was like, okay, now we haven't spoken in a long time. So why would you be having dreams about me, you know? Now she was saying that, you know, she just felt like there was something wrong with me and she hopes that and she hopes I'm okay. And I I don't know, I felt like I felt so emotional that day because I just kinda of felt like God had my back. He knew that I was going through emotional turmoil. He knew that I didn't want to be here anymore. He knew that I was planning to do something stupid and he sent her to come and rescue me. Like literally remember that day like she popped up to me on Instagram and we were just talking as normal and then I was telling her that I was going through something and then she told me her testimony and that's kind of like what birthed this whole thing you know her testimony released me because I realized that what she experienced was horrible but she managed to get through it and she managed to get through it because she had God. She managed to get through it because she trusted in him and she had faith in him. And I feel like that's what I was lacking. Like regardless of the things that I experienced in school, regardless of the things that I experienced as a result of my speech impairment, I couldn't let that hold me back. I couldn't allow that to control my life because if she was able to get through it, then what makes me think that my situation is any worse, you know, any bigger? Like there's no situation that's too big for him, you know? And I feel like after hearing that testimony, again, it released me. I thought to myself, you know what? I'm gonna make an active effort to come out of this state. I don't wanna feel this way anymore. I wanna have joy in my life. I wanna be happy. I want things to fall into place. You know, my life isn't the worst. I thought I'm a graduate. You know, it's not the worst thing that's happened to me. Um, And I feel like when you're in a state of depression and you feel like an imposter, what you need to understand is that a lot of it is in your mind because in this whole podcast thing you probably haven't heard me stutter once right because my speech is in my mind like my speech impairment was so bad at school but it's not anymore it's improved tremendously and for me to not even acknowledge that and to see that I've come a long way is something that the enemy will try to continue to use to bring me down because he knows that's my weakness so he'll do anything to make me feel in my mind that I'm inadequate he will do anything to make me feel like I'm incapable of doing things and for a long long time I used my speech impairment as an excuse as to why I would not move forward it made me use it as an excuse as to why I felt like I wasn't enough now as you guys know I've created this podcast and the reason why I've created this podcast is because God, like I was praying hard one day and he spoke to me and he was just saying to me like, why don't you create a podcast? Because obviously I had business ideas anyway and he was saying, just create the podcast about testimonies and God knows that I am the most insecure person ever, that I'm not confident at all, that I don't have any kind of, I don't have any form of belief in myself because of everything that's happened in my life but he still wanted me to do something that I thought that I couldn't do and it made me feel very uncomfortable made me feel very very uncomfortable and then I realized that God wants me to do something to make that makes me feel uncomfortable to enable me to grow to prepare me for my next stage in life when I'm a lawyer I need to speak to people no so by me doing this podcast not only will it help me to come out of my comfort zone, but I'm also sharing the word of God through testimonies, through experiences, you know? And every day I thank him for this this platform because it's enabled me to grow and it's enabled me to fully come out of my depression. It's made me have something more, something else to focus on. And I feel like when it comes to depression, you need to pray. You need to ask God, God, can you send the right people into my life? Because the people that were in my life, they were fantastic, but they couldn't help me. They couldn't help me. You know, only he could, and he sent the right people that I needed. And for many years, I looked in the mirror, and I didn't even want to see myself. I thought I was ugly. 
I thought that my nose was too flat. I thought that my lips were too big, my eyes were too big. And these were things that were built inside of me because of my days at school and what people were telling me. But then I realized that God made me the person that I am. You know, he knew me before I knew myself. And he didn't make me to be someone who was insecure. He didn't make me to be someone who wasn't confident. He didn't make me to be that person. You know, he wants me to have a surety in myself, you know, to be confident in myself, to know who I am and the power that I hold. And that's what I tell myself every single day. This is not what God intended for you. You're not supposed to be this person who's anxious. You're not supposed to be the, this person who's scared. And for many years, I, every time I went to an interview, I was petrified and all I ever spoke about was my speech impairment in a negative way rather than using it to my advantage. Now, these are things that I realised after a while. Like, I was holding myself back and I was being the biggest detriment of my life. And the guys that I was dating throughout my time at school, you know, they were also feeding away at my insecurities. They were also eating me up inside. And, you know, I was going for people who weren't right for me because I was constantly trying to fill a hole that could never be filled by guys, that could never be filled by anybody else aside from God. And that's what I tried to do. And that's what made me even more depressed because I, I couldn't fill that hole. No matter how much I tried, no matter how much I wanted to move away from it, I just couldn't because that wasn't the purpose of this hole that I had to fill. Because my parents would, would argue all the time because I didn't have a relationship with my family like that. There was always going to be a hole. I think I was running away from that for a very, very long time. And me coming back to Coventry was me facing these problems that I had before that I was running away from and I learned that you can't run away from your problems you just have to face them head on you can't allow your insecurities to hold you back you have to face them head on you have to make yourself uncomfortable in order to grow you can't allow your anxieties your fears to be something that prevents you from trying something new prevents you from doing that that thing that you've always wanted to do for me I never saw myself doing a podcast but I'm doing it and I'm doing it very well you know, I may not have experience, I may not have training in it, but every single day I get up and I record, I'm learning something new. I'm doing something different. And the one thing that I was afraid of for quarantine was, in quarantine, it's so easy for you to fall back into that state of depression. It's so easy for you to feel lonely. It's so easy for you to feel like, you know, like what's next after quarantine? Like that even in itself creates anxiety and fear. But there was this verse in the Bible that says, be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication. Fear not, only believe. These are things that I was repeating in my mind every single day. And it said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was repeating this in my mind every single day. Like, although I didn't feel like I could do this podcast, because I'm bringing him into my life and allowing him to manifest within me, I can do this. So there's this really important story that I feel like will summarise this whole thing. So Moses, he basically sent out 12 men from 12 tribes and they were basically preparing for war. Now he sent out 12 men and then 10 came back and basically said, you know what Moses, we are not going to win this war there's literally no way that we're going to win this war these people are giants these people are huge there's literally no way that we're going to do this now the two other men who came back said you know what Moses although these men are giants although these men are tall we are able to have victory yeah now you're able to see the um, difference in perspective there there was 10 men who were very negative and then there was two men who came back with a different kind of approach and I feel like every battle in which we go through we need to have the right approach we need to have the right mindset towards that battle because the moment you start to think that you know what I can't do this I can't get through this that is your reality and you can't come out of that the moment that you're you're there it makes it hard for you to come out of it and I feel like when it comes to depression 
you know, you're constantly thinking in your mind negative things and these negative things constantly override and they and they cloud everything else and it makes it impossible for you to think and want to achieve anything for yourself and it just makes you stay in that negative space because you're constantly thinking, you know what, I can't do this, I can't do that, there's no way out and depression has this thing where it will trap you, it will make you feel so inadequate, that's why you need to take control of your thoughts, change the way that you think. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for what he thinks in his heart, that is he. So if you think in your heart, in your mind, that you can't do it, then of course you can't do it because that's what you're thinking. The energy in which you have in your mind, you know, the mind's a powerful place. So you need to ensure that you're putting the right energy into that into that space. Now, after my friend told me her testimony, I made sure to have to take an active effort. Like every morning I woke up, I made an active effort to speak positively into my life, you know, to say, you know what, I am confident. I am a great speaker. I'm a fantastic individual. I can do this. I can get through this. And just constantly exercising that thought is what slowly brought me out of depression now I'm not saying it's easy to think these things is not easy at all like the first step in which you take will always be the hardest step but it's the most bravest step that you will ever make and the first time you think that it makes it easier the more that you think that the more that you think it the more that you start to believe it and I'm telling you the power of the tongue like our first episode was the power of the tongue for a reason because I really do feel, feel like a lot of the times in this world is because a lot of people don't reach their full potential because they allow their own tongue their own mind to persuade them or to make them think that they can't do it we need to actively make an effort to change that perspective. My next point is you need to reflect because in First Corinthians 10.13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, this is such a powerful verse and I'm, it made me really understand like... God will never let you endure anything in your life that you are unable to endure. You know, he will never let you go through something that he knows that you can't bear, you know, and every single thing that you go through, it says here, but with the temptation, you will also make the way of escape. By you being tempted, by you going through all these battles in your life, it enables you to escape, it enables you to grow and to learn from that experience. Everything that we experience in life is to enable us to be stronger so that anything else that comes in our lives we'll be able to tackle it and deal with it instantly. I was reflecting, I was thinking, you know what, everything that I've gone through has helped me to be the person that I am today. And now it means that I can actually share my experience with other people because by my friend coming to me and telling me her testimony, that released me. So what testimony do you have in you? What has happened to you that could help a friend? I feel like sometimes we're very private and I understand that in this world we have to be private but sometimes our stories is what enables another person to escape from whatever they're experiencing. Like for example, I feel like a lot of the um, friends that I have or you may even have a friend, you may have a friend who's been placed into your life, right? And you're thinking, hmm, you know, this person is going through this thing, you know, and like, I don't know if I should share my story, but by you sharing that story, it will help her or him to learn from that. And then they, they can also help another person as well to learn from that. But we're constantly thinking, you know, we can't trust people, we can't tell people things. But the more you keep things to yourself, that's you suffering in silence. And that's you not helping this other individual who needs your help, who's crying out for help. I remember when I first started university and my parents weren't the most supportive. I wasn't going to share this, but I feel like it, might, it may help a person out there who may have parents or who may have siblings or like family that don't support them or don't encourage them. Now, just understand this, yeah. When I when I applied for, for university, my parents weren't jumping. Like, <laughs> they weren't the most excited people, yeah. Now, I told them that I, was, I wanted to study law, right? And they weren't happy about that. So I kind of feel like because they knew that I had my speech impairment, they thought that, you know, well, because she has this... For her to be applying for this may just be a waste of time. You know what I'm trying to say? Instead, they wanted me to be like an air hostess, to work on a plane. Now, if I allowed that to affect me, I would not be where I am today. But I used that and I had to experience that 
to have that as ammunition to understand that not everybody will support you not everyone will encourage you but god will put these people into your life to help you to grow and to help you to develop of course i could hold this against my parents but i'm not gonna do that because god chose the right people for me to he put the right people into my life to help me to grow into who i am today and to enable me to be able to escape and to bear it and to become a better version of myself Another thing, another thing that I, I really feel like is so important is that you need to find strength in your weaknesses. What are you currently thinking that you're insecure about? What are you currently allowing to hold you back? Another really important thing that I also noticed as well, a lot of the times when we have friends or if we have siblings who are doing exceptionally well in their careers or doing exceptionally well in their lives, we always compare ourselves to them and we think that we aren't adequate enough. And we always think that, you know, how are they doing so well and why am I not doing well and blah, 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 blah. And what we need to understand is rather than seeing that as something to be annoyed about or something to be envious about why don't you take inspiration take note like how what are they doing well and how am I able to tap into that because sometimes being around the right people can really give you that encouragement can really give you that strength to do what you need to do as well like find your passion because sometimes what other people are doing is not what you're supposed to be doing you know we all have our own purpose we all have our own passions but it doesn't mean that you need to be envious of that or jealous of that just see as ammunition you know to have that encouragement to have that inspiration to do better if they're able to do well I can also do well but stay in your lane stay in your own field my last advice that I want to give is actually two more advice one have people around you who you're able to like talk to and and the last one is change your perspective in regards to your insecurity and in regards to your weakness you know, in second timothy 1 7 it says god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power love and self-discipline you have the power in you yeah whatever weakness in which you have you need to find strength and power and positivity through that weakness like because in your mind you think that is a weakness but i'm telling you now that same weakness is something that you're able to use to your advantage everybody has something no one can do what you are doing better than you can like you really need to understand that no one is like you you are different and for many many years i didn't see the power of my voice i didn't see the power in me because the enemy will always make you feel like your insecurity is your insecurity and is your weakness but instead no understand that your insecurity your weakness that you think is your weakness is actually the very thing that will release you is the very thing that will give you the power to overcome your situation now look at me now like come on now why would i ever think that i would have a podcast but no, I'm using my voice because my voice is powerful. I tell, I tell myself every single morning, you know what? You have a powerful voice, use it. Use it, regardless of what people thought of you back then. Your insecurity is your power. Use it to your advantage. Make a way for yourself. Do not wait for other people. Don't wait for other people. You need to be able to come out of this yourself. Because sometimes in life, we think that, you know what? I need to go counseling. Okay, cool, go counseling. But the true power is in the word of God. If I wasn't praying, if I wasn't asking God to bring the right people into my life, if I wasn't using his word as my power, as my weapon, I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be fighting demons every single night. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fighting all my insecurities and I wouldn't be fighting my mind, the battle in my mind. Because the moment I was able to fight the battle in my mind, that's when I won victory over it. In 2 Corinthians 9, sorry, 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, but my strength is made perfect in weakness. Whatever weaknesses in which you have, God will make sure that you will find strength, you will find power, you will find endurance, abundance, joy, everything you will find in that weakness. You just need to change your perspective about that weakness and understand that what that you're currently going through depression but depression is not bigger than you 
It is not bigger than you. It never has been, never will be. The enemy is lying to you right now. He's lying to you. He's telling you that you can't do it, but you are more than capable. You need to fight your enemies, fight your demons, fight them. But at the same time, the Bible also says that the battles in which you're fighting are not yours. The battles in which you're fighting is already won. God is fighting these battles on your behalf. You just need to trust him, open your Bible and pray. And that's it for me, guys. I know that this was probably the most depressing podcast you've ever heard, but I really do feel like this is something that I had to share. And it's enabled me to feel that sense of release. Like I'm telling you guys, coming onto this podcast and sharing your testimony is a different kind of feeling. Like it releases you from whatever you're going through, it releases you from that. Because I feel like a lot of us have testimonies in us and we're not speaking about it so if you're not speaking about it you're not able to acknowledge what god has done for you in your life acknowledge it understand it appreciate it remember it because then the next time you're going through something you will see that you know what god helped me get through this thing if he can do it once he can do it again anyway guys remember Hear his word, speak his word, and, and share his word. His word is God's word. Hey, his word is God's word. Hey, his word is God's word. Hello, his word is God's word. Yeah, his word is his, 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 his. his.